0: hello playtimers old and new this is andrew barnett with a special episode of playtime about i get mad which is a book that I am putting out and is out currently, which is again illustrated by Andrea Fietta, And I wanted to talk a little bit about the book and my inspiration for writing it. So I'm using this as an excuse to do that. The aim of the book is for children to be able to have their emotional experience witnessed and to have their pain witnessed. And it's asking adults to be able to witness them in it and allow them to move through it as much as possible instead of reacting to anger from children in a way that attempts to shut it down or attempts to get them to submit right away, but to allow children the experience of being angry. And that topic isn't new to this podcast. I feel like that same sentiment was discussed in the aggression episode, the emotional development episode. I mean, it's a large part of my philosophy and the philosophy of people that I've read and talked to in regards to children and their emotions. And why I wanted to approach anger in particular is because anger Can be one of the hardest emotions to make space for. It can make us uncomfortable. We can feel attacked. We can feel a threat. We can. It can not feel very good, the things that people say and do when they are angry. So then there is a desire on the part of adults to not want children to be angry. I mean, a lot of. You know, I I used to work in an after school program in a wilderness therapy program as an assistant teacher and in all of those settings, I was always trying to get children to do things like we've got to move from X location to X location. We've got to clean up in here. We've got to behave. And lots of adults who work with children are in these roles where you're trying to manage the children that you're seeing and then anger from those children in that setting can feel like it's upsetting the management or the equilibrium of things. We all have our own reasons for not liking it when people are angry. But the reason I wanted to write the book is because, I mean, this has probably always been true in terms of the human experience, but having access to our anger in a time like now feels particularly important. Having access to our anger, being able to move through our anger, being able to respect the messages that our anger is telling us feels very important right now. And I say right now based somewhat, or maybe more than somewhat, on my own political leanings, which I don't feel like sharing on this platform, but you wouldn't have to be a detective to make an informed guess about what those leanings might be. Regardless of where you fall on a political spectrum, or where you fall on a, like, where is the world heading spectrum, or on an environmental spectrum, or on a corruption spectrum. There's lots of things that happen in the world that are worth being upset about. There's lots of things that happen in the world that are worth being angry about. There are experiences that I have every day, whether I'm you know, checking out a news website or listening to something on the radio that upset me and that make me angry. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. And having access to our anger feels very important in that sense, in terms of recognizing that we're angry, allowing ourselves to be as angry as we are, and then being in touch with those values or principles or beliefs or self-respect or respect for other people that tap us into our reasons for being angry and help give us the power and energy and strength to make something different, to make something different of ourselves and to be the kind of people in the world that we want to be and to stand up for the things that we believe in. And to do that in a way that's not debilitating to us as people, that we're not so caught in our anger, say, that we don't ever not feel angry, or in contrast, to try to avoid that anger in order to keep living our lives. And there's that larger spectrum or that larger focus for anger that can feel important to have and then there's also all of those little moments inside of our own homes if we view anger as self-respect we want every person inside of every home to be able to respect every other person inside of that home we want people to be able to set the boundaries that they want to set we want people to be able to communicate to others when they don't feel respected now if you live in a home where that's part of your home culture then, I don't know, this book might speak directly to what you're already trying to do and might be a support for that. If you live in a home where you can recognize that, yep, we're not all that emotionally respectful in this home. I mean, there are, there are times, and I don't say that in a judgmental way, but whether it's because people are stressed or people are scared or you're trying to get things done or blah, 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 where people are asked to, you know, calm down, simmer down emotionally so that shit can get done. Excuse my language. Then applying some of the parts of this book might be a challenge. I definitely believe that that witnessing, and there are examples of what that adult listening and witnessing to children when they're angry can look like, but I do believe wholeheartedly that change can happen, that homes can be more empathetic, that allowing someone to be angry can help lessen that anger over time. They can express it differently over time. You can role model for a child, and name what's happening, like you're really mad at me, and giving them that language, and they might be able to use that language later on, that this might be an accepted thing, and they don't have to go off the rails in order to be heard and seen and respected in their emotional experience. It can just feel like sometime that anger gets a bad rap. When I was in school in my master's program and working in wilderness therapy before that, I was introduced to the idea that anger is a secondary emotion, right? So there's primary emotions that would be like sadness, fear, joy, what have you. And then if someone is angry outwardly, that there's a secondary emotion that's underneath that anger, that's powering that anger, and that person isn't really angry, they're actually just sad and expressing that through anger. And at the time, I liked that way of thinking, and it made sense to me. But I don't feel that way now. I feel like that way of thinking is totally invalidating to the power and potential of anger. That if we're saying anger is always secondary then what we're kind of hoping for inside of that is for a world where nobody gets angry very often, where they're able to say, instead, I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm whatever, but then it's incumbent on the person who is expressing anger to recognize that the issue for them and what's happening inside of them is not anger, it's something else. And maybe that's true sometimes. I mean, I can think of times when I'm angry and I express my anger and then, after that anger is expressed, I feel sad. but anger makes so much worse more sense to me as an expression of boundaries and an expression of not liking something. Like you can feel anger and sadness at the same time. I could be sad that I'm being disrespected. I could have some shame around being disrespected. I could have some self-doubt or some damage to my self-concept around being disrespected, but I could also be pissed about it and want it to stop happening. And that feels like a different experience. The anger's creating that boundary of like, This has crossed the line of what's okay with me. When that thing happens, yes, it will bring up some other stuff inside, but no, that does not mean that anger is a secondary emotion. It actually means that it's a very powerful emotion that is telling me what's okay and what's not okay. What I like and what I don't like. Who I can trust and who I can't trust. What I value and how it feels to have those values threatened and to have the things that I love and care about attacked. And that moment, sure, I'm sad that the things I love are being attacked, but I'm also angry. And that anger can give me the strength to defend what's worth defending. And I get it. Anger management is part of mental health for a reason. When someone's angry, they can be difficult to be around. Children are capable of being angry about all kinds of things that seem ridiculous. I mean, adults are, too at the end of the day. But we need our anger in this world. We need to be able to know what we like and what we don't, and know what matters and what doesn't, and know what to defend and protect and to know how to set boundaries. It feels like way too often that... And I can say this about my own life, I can name this for people I've seen in therapy, and also just people I know in general, where at a certain point in your experience, you could say to yourself, like, ooh, I've actually had something in my life that I've not liked for a very, very long time, and wish it was different for a very, very long time. That could be a job, that could be where you live, that could be with friends, that could be with a romantic partner, but the the moment of really connecting to like, gosh, what's happening? What am I doing? How did I get disconnected from my values? How did I get disconnected from what I like and what I don't? How Did I start to live this life, which is probably the only life that we have on this planet, and spend so much time inside of that life not living the life that I want to live? Like, how did that happen? And there are lots of compromises that all of us need to make every day to get by. There's things we need to do. There's chores we need to do. We have to go to work or to school or whatever. The things that we need to do in life... That we don't feel like doing, but that we recognize that we have to do. And those are times when we put any not liking something on hold, put any anger on hold, and simply function. We do our best to function. And I guess that's a good thing that we're able to do that. There are other times, arguably most of the time, when hopefully we can say to ourselves, like, is this the life I want to be living? Is this connected to my values? Is this connected to what I want? And when we're disconnected from our anger... It can be hard to know what we want, and it can be hard to know what we value, and we can end up sort of floating through our lives unsure of what we're doing and where we're going, and maybe even afraid to ask ourselves too much about it. And this is getting a little preachy and ranty, but I guess it's what happens when I'm in front of a microphone by myself. But I do believe that all of that can be tied back to anger and that anger is useful, and that anger has messages, and that anger is a tool. And I don't even just mean that, like, intense, like, I'm having a tantrum kind of anger. I feel like it can also refer to those small moments of not liking things. Being aware of our experience of life. Because the fear is that being cut off from one emotion can lead to being cut off from a lot of emotions. And that we need full access to all of the emotions that we have. If we're going to live integrated lives, and if we're going to live whole lives, and if we're going to live lives connected to what we value, and we need to be connected to what we value in order to have point and purpose as a species and this is a podcast that i started to feel like was sliding off the rails there for a second but i yeah i care a lot about this book and um if you end up picking it up i hope that you enjoy it and get something out of it as always rate review subscribe head to barnettchildtherapy.com where you can pick up on sharing in the abstract art workshop and all kinds of other things i've got going on out on there and uh Yeah. See you next time.